Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a series entitled, Choose to Lose. In this series, Dr. Kelly is teaching us that because of Christ's great work in our lives, we now have the power to make great choices, to strengthen our body, to renew our mind, and to encourage each other. We don't need big faith to accomplish huge goals. We just need a little faith in a big God. Are you ready to trust Him for the unbelievable? What will you choose to lose? Here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. How you doing, church? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so glad you are here. Hey, congrats on being here. Like, if you know what the series is on, choose to lose... Congrats on being here. Way to go. It takes a lot to come to a series like that. I believe we're going to see all kinds of interest in this series. If you did have, if you had no idea what the series is about, I'm still glad you're here. Just not as much, right? We're so, so glad you are here. Um, wow, I just saw somebody and I, I feel the Spirit of God leading me to do something. Larry Stogner, we love you very, very much. Maybe the cameras can do some work here so they can see Larry and his lovely wife, Bobby, for our campuses. You are our brother and our sister, and I don't have to tell this crowd about your distinguished career and all that you've done, even serving our country in the Vietnam War, but ABC did a phenomenal job of sending you off this week, and we believe they've sent you right here as we journey with you and... um, Trust God with you. We love you guys big time. Yeah, yeah. I know you're not supposed to do that when you got this kind of crowd and you got all these campuses, but I hope the campuses felt that and I know that they felt in their heart what everybody felt here. So we're starting a series called Choose to Lose, Becoming Daniel Strong. And to be honest with you, we are going where very few churches have gone before. We are going to talk about what it means, what it looks like, what the Bible says about caring for our one and only body that God has given us. I want to let you know that Christians, and let me just speak real personally here for a moment, pastors, pastors have been notorious for getting up. I mean, I have been in several settings where I have seen pastors get up and rant and rave about all of the external sins that we should not be doing, the sins of morality, and with their brow all frowned and their arms flaring and sweat rolling down their face. I've heard them talk about the fact that you should not drink. You should not cuss. You should not smoke. And you should not date anyone who does. And then when the service is over, I've seen them belly upside the buffet (laughs) at 
golden corral. Come on now. And eat more food to feed a third world country. And I thought, there's something wrong with this picture. As Christians, we have this tendency to focus on the sins that we want to focus on. And one of the sins that we have been notoriously guilty of ignoring is the sin of gluttony. Me included. Like, I don't know what your upbringing was like. But like where I'm from, everything revolved around food. When you're happy, what do you do? You, <laughs> you, I, mean, I mean, you came from the same world. I mean, listen, guys, in the United States of America, particularly in the South, hello, when you're happy, you throw a party and you eat. When you're sad, what do you do? <laughs> now, you don't throw a party, but you eat. I mean, you eat and, and, you, and everything revolves around Food. I mean, I remember as a kid coming home, man, and three out of the five days of the week, man, my mama would have freshly baked chocolate chip cookies on the wax paper on the counter. Glory, hallelujah. <laughs> and I would try my very best to eat every one of them before she could get them in the cookie jar. Food. And let me just state this from the very beginning. And if you're a note taker, take out your notes and grab your pen. Let's go get this. You don't want to miss a single Sunday of this series because it's going to build every single week. But let me say this on the front end. Food is good. (laughs) Y'all are so funny. I mean, food is good. Glory. Hallelujah. But the problem is sometimes we take a good thing too far. Now, all joking aside, we Americans, and particularly, again, we Americans in the South have food issues. I mean, have you ever thought about this? The United States of America is one of the very few places in the world where you can be poor and obese at the same time. (laughs) Have you ever thought about such a thing? Now, let me just give you some stats, all joking aside. For the first time in history... As many people are suffering from the result of too much food as those suffering from malnutrition. I mean, that's a trip, man. While millions of people suffer from not having enough to eat, millions are struggling with the effects of being overweight. Seven in ten Americans are overweight. Diabetes, and those of you in the medical field, you know this better than any of us. Diabetes, heart disease, and other lifestyle-based diseases now kill more people than infectious diseases worldwide. Now, two disclaimers. Listen closely. Two disclaimers as we get into this series. I understand some of you are in tip-top shape. I mean, some of you are freaking awesome. And I look at you and I admire you. Some of you, like, you have a six-pack and an eight-pack on your good day. And you love to show it to your significant other. Some of you are in great shape. Some of you don't need to lose a thing. Others of you, like myself, could handle using, uh, shedding a few pounds. Can I get an amen? Others of you, listen closely, others of you could actually put on a little weight. I realize the first group is a lot larger than the second group. But, I mean, there are people here who 
need to gain some weight. All joking aside, very, very serious issue. There are people here who have eating disorders. And eating disorders, as you know, for those of us who eat too much or those of us who don't eat enough or those of us who have eating disorders, at the end of the day, you do know, don't you, that it's all about power and us wanting to exercise power over our lives or over food. And what I want to remind you on the front end of the series is that this series is not about willpower. This series is about God's power. And I want to let you know that we're actually going to be doing a very holistic approach to caring for our bodies. This is not going to be six weeks on losing weight. Nor will this be six weeks on eating vegetables. Though I will talk a lot about what we find in Daniel 1 and Daniel chapter 10 in terms of what we put into our bodies. But this is a very holistic approach. Choose to lose. Becoming Daniel strong is not a diet as much as it is a lifestyle. So I would encourage all of you at all of the campuses to go buy this book. We have it at the Resource Center. If we sell out, we will take your order and have it here next week for you. It is called the Daniel Plan. It is brought forward to us by Dr. Rick Warren, Dr. Daniel Amen, and Dr. Mark Hyman. Dr. Rick Warren, as you know, is the pastor of Saddleback Church. He took the very popular Daniel's Fast, which, by the way, I'm a big fan of. I've done the Daniel's Fast probably six or seven times in my life. I love it. It is a great detoxing fast. But what they have done is they have taken the Daniel's fast. Again, we'll look at that in Daniel 1 and Daniel chapter 10. They've taken the very trendy Daniel's fast. And they've turned it more into a plan, a lifestyle in which the Christian community can get healthy as they learn to manage or steward over their bodies. So this is what we're going to be looking at during this series. Here's the hashtag, those of you always asking about hashtag, New Hope Choose to Lose. Check it out. But here, here it is. We're going to be talking today about faith. About what? Faith. We're going to be talking about food. Say it with me. What? Faith. Food. Fitness. Faith. Food. Fitness. Here we go. We're going to be talking about focus. How to use our minds to impact our behavior because I don't know if you're aware of this but your behavior really just follows your thinking how you think so goes your actions and your behavior we're going to be talking about friends oh my word who you hang with makes a huge difference to how healthy you are in every area of your life we're going to be talking about friends who's the right they and who's the wrong they Some of you listen to the wrong day. Some of you hang with the wrong day. We need to learn to listen. Boy, I have to remind myself of this all the time in leading this church. You need to learn to listen to the right day and tell the wrong day to get they behind me. (laughs) Tweet that. I don't know where that came from, but that was freaking good. Um, (laughs) Again, some more exercise and stuff like that. I mean, this this is key as we think about this. We're going to be looking at faith, food, fitness, focus, friends, and living the lifestyle. I'm laying the foundation today. Everybody at all of the campuses, and this will be a sign if you need to do a little exercise. Reach down under your chair. Hopefully you can do that. Reach, Reach down under your chair and get this golden ticket. Now, all pregnant women are excused from that exercise. All the the campuses, look under your chairs, under your pews. 
and get this golden ticket. Now listen closely. You know how we're always trying to give you lots of things to give to people to invest and invite them to church? This series, we're giving you one thing. I guess you could steal one and get a couple more if you wanted. But we're really just giving you one because it's special. And at every single campus, grab the golden ticket and start praying right now about who you're going to hand it to and invite to church. Because, see, the culture doesn't realize that the Bible speaks about such matters. This is an incredibly relevant series for us. People don't even know that the Bible speaks about how to care for your body. And by the way, this is one of the felt needs in our culture. Everybody, whether they need to gain weight, lose weight, have eating disorders, everybody struggles with what I'm talking about. So hand this to somebody. Tell them to bring it with them to church. Check it out. Ooh, this is so good. They fill it out. They drop it in the offering basket. And at the very end of this series, on March 15th, we are going to be giving away all kinds of prizes to our special guests. We're going to be giving away like a membership at a gym. We're going to be giving away a day at the spa. Let the people of God say amen. We are going to be giving away books to engage the mind and teach us how to care for our bodies. We are going to be giving away all kinds of gifts at all of our campuses. We're going to have a drawing and some of our invest and invitee guests are going to receive the second thing. And then we're going to hunker down today and I'm going to kind of lay a foundation for where the entire series is going. We have created an incredible landing page on our website. So if you go to our website, New Hope Church... This is what you'll see. This is the home page. Now look in the right-hand corner, top right-hand corner, upper right-hand corner. Notice the choose to lose icon. You click on that, and here's what you'll go to. They had me shoot a video this week, but that's just a short video. What is it? Just a minute, minute and two. But over here on the left-hand side, you've got all these menu items. Choose to lose. Fitness. Faith. Focus, nutrition, 510K walk. Listen, we're going to end this series on Sunday, March 15th with a 5 or 10K walk or run. You can walk it or you can run it. Start preparing for it now. And we're going to run the tobacco trail. We're going to invite all the campuses over here. It's an officially sanctioned walk run. I mean, there'll be people here, cops here. I mean, we're going public with it. And Columbia, you're going to do another thing that you're going to hear more about from uh, my wife or Pastor Mike Bell, who's here today. Amy Lynn is down there in Columbia. You guys take really good care of my wife while she is there with you. But here is where we're going today. I want to start to develop... A biblical framework for how we care for our bodies. Because here is the problem. Let me just identify the problem first. The problem in our world today is that we do not have a solid biblical, and here it is, here it is, theology of health. We do not have a what? Theology of what? Health. Like I've already talked about how pastors are guilty of this. Christians are guilty of this. I'm going to diagnose the problem. I'm going to frame it from a biblical theological perspective. For many of you today, I am certain light bulbs are going to go off as you understand, maybe for the first time, how we are called to care for our bodies. But the problem is, again, we don't have a solid 
biblical theology of health. And here's what this comes to. You can trace this all the way back in the history to the Greek scholars by the name of Aristotle or Socrates. And here's what these Greek scholars created. They created what we've called all these years dualism. Say it with me. What? Dualism. And dualism is the notion that there is a spirit world and there is a physical world. And the Greek scholars had a tendency to focus on the spiritual world and not the physical And this really lent itself nicely to Christianity because in Christianity we live here and now, but we know what is coming, eternity. And so we've had this tendency to divorce the physical from the spiritual. And from that led to a very, very ancient and early church heresy known as Gnosticism. Say it with me. Gnosticism, how you spell that is G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M, Gnosticism. And Gnosticism was a early church heresy that went right in line with this Greek thinking and it, 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 it started to actually uh, proclaim that the spirit is good and the body is bad. Gnosticism. So everything in the spiritual realm was good and godly and Christians should focus on that. And everything in the physical realm, food, the body, mortality was bad. And this whole notion of dualism and Gnosticism has invaded the church now for two thousand years and as a result christians have been guilty of focusing on the spiritual world while neglecting the physical world if you're smelling what i'm cooking say keep it coming pastor so let's look at a biblical theology of health let's develop a solid theology of health. I encourage you to take extra special notes. Here's the first thing. My body belongs to God and his spirit lives in me. Say that with me. My belongs to and his My body belongs to God and his spirit Lives in me. Faith 101 teaches us that our body belongs to God. It is His property, not mine. I don't own this body. And neither do you. So look at your neighbor with all the attitude you can muster, say, It ain't yours. In good old southern vernacular. It ain't yours. You English professors, don't come correct me. I know that's not good English. Come on now. Now, we we naturally rebel against this idea that it belongs to God. We naturally rebel against this. We naturally rebel at using our bodies the way in which God intended for us to use our bodies. We live in a culture that basically promotes if it feels good, do it. If it tastes good, do it. And if it tastes good, keep doing it. You know what I'm saying? Moreover, the Bible teaches us that Jesus, Jesus himself paid the ultimate price For our bodies. Last week if you were here. We had Holy Communion. What a day right? And I talked about. You want to know how much God loves you? 
That's how much God loves you. He spread wide his arms and died on a cross for you. And it is that price that he paid not only for our sins, but for our bodies. And did you know that your body is a temple of the Lord? 1 Corinthians 16. Let's read this out loud really strong. This is incredible scripture. Again, some of you might not have ever even heard this. Ready? Go. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the who is whom you have received from God? Let's continue. Watch this. Your own body does not belong to you. For God has bought you with a great price. I'll say this last one really strong. Ready? Go. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Again, therefore, honor God with your bodies. Amen. Our bodies are what? What are our bodies? They are temples of the Lord. So if we're going to build this temple throughout this series and change our lifestyles and change our thinking... I need to lay this foundation today. This is all foundational work for where we are going. This changes everything in terms of stewardship over our bodies. Here's the second thing if you're taking notes. Write it in. God expects me to take care of my body. The first thing was what? My body belongs to God and his spirit does what? Lives in me. Here's the second thing. You just, you just have to make sure you get this. God expects me to take care of my body. And that actually impacts everything we eat. That impacts everything we drink. That impacts whether or not we smoke. Somebody asked me one time, Pastor, I smoke. Will I go to hell if I smoke? I'm a Christian. Will I go to hell? I said, no, not necessarily. It will just smell like you have been there. (laughs) Nasty. Nasty. Disgusting. Cigarettes. Pipes. Cigars. Nasty. expects and again guys you need to know this man i'm not sitting up here throwing stones like i'm so excited about this series i'm so excited because i i can get better i can get better at this and i need to get better at it. and the reason i'm bringing this series to you is because i feel like we need to get better and you need to realize what helps me determine what i'm going to preach on usually is what's going on in my own life so like i'm not i mean i'm, I'm right here with you And this old boy who just turned 44 years old, listen, I I need to take better care of my body because I want to see my children grow up. I want to see my children get married. I want to see my grandchildren, lots of them. (laughs) Well, I figured I got five youngest, man. If they all have five kids, come on now. I got 25 grandkids. Glory, hallelujah. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. So, so, you know, I'm, I'm here with you. We have to take better care of our bodies and God has bought us at a very significant price. Most of you know that I uh, lived in Kentucky 
I, that's where I finished my education in Kentucky. I had never been to Kentucky until I uh, got into and accepted an offer into uh, the Beeson Pastor Program up at Asbury Theological Seminary. So I loaded up my whole family, man, U-Haul truck, what I'm talking about. Said no, had no job, said no to any income because I had to go be a full-time student. So I left our church. We loaded up in a U-Haul. We went up there by faith, one of the biggest leaps of faith we've ever taken besides starting this church. Landed in Kentucky in the Bluegrass State, and I fell in love with Kentucky. Like, like, not like I love the Carolinas, but man, I loved Kentucky. And Keith Wright, who passed away a few months ago, who's probably looking down from heaven right now, needs to understand, even though I fell in love with Kentucky, I did not fall in love with Kentucky basketball. <laughs> Get you some of that, Keith. A diehard Kentucky basketball fan, Wildcat. So we lived in Kentucky and we fell in love with the state. And here's one of the things I fell in love with about Kentucky. I fell in love kind of driving back and forth between Lexington and uh, Wilmore, which is a little old quaint place, and Louisville, those of you who know that area. And here's what I fell in love with. I fell in love with the beautiful rolling hills and the white fences that seemed to go on forever with the horse pastures. I fell in love with seeing the beauty of the horses. And our kids were really, really small, so we wanted them to experience this. And so we would take them to the horse tracks, talking about Keenan, for those of you who know that area, or Churchill Downs, those of you who watch the famous horse races every year, which we do as a family. We still gather around and kind of commemorate our days in Kentucky by watching the Kentucky Derby. I remember the first time we got access to a horse stable in Kentucky. Yeah, wow. Listen, church, I'm not making this up. Their horse stables <laughs> were nicer than the apartment we lived in. No, I mean, look at that. That's how they keep them. They're clean. They're meticulous. I was exposed to this horse culture that blew my mind. I was exposed to horses like this in which people pay $3.5 to $10 million for these incredible horses. Horses, people. Horses. There's a horse. Would you give them some love? Give them some love. Come on, come on, come on. I think, I think, that, one, I think that one was sold for $3.5 million. Look at this next one. Unbelievable animals. And when you, when you remember or you learn what they paid for these horses, this is when it hit me, you kind of understand why they take such meticulous care of the horses. When you see what they pay for an animal that would run a race and win it, you kind of start to understand why they keep their stable so nice. Now, here's the point that I'm trying to make. They pay that for horses. God paid far more for your body. God paid far more than $3.5 to $5 million for your body. God paid the price of his what? Son. Who died on a cross for you. So what that reminds me is that I need to care for my Body. Here's the third thing, if you're taking notes, third thing, write this down, very, very important. Developing a solid theology of health. Number one, my body belongs to God and His Spirit lives in me. Say, got it. 
Number two, God expects me to take care of my body. Say, got it. Here's number three. God will resurrect my body after I die. God will do what? My body when? Now, I need to slow down for just a moment and try my best to unpack a very deep, complex subject in a short period of time. Trust me when I say this, this could actually be an entire sermon. But God will resurrect your body after you die. And in our culture, we have this tendency to actually forget this. Rick Warren, again, he hits it early on in this book. I'm going to try my best to explain this. But here's what you need to know. Right now, your body, you are living with a 1.0 version of your body. Now, if you've reinvented yourself multiple times physically, okay, maybe you're at a 3.0. But stick with my thinking here. We're in our 1.0 version of our bodies. When we die, after we die, not right when we die. I'll explain that in a moment. This is what the Bible clearly teaches. And it's mysterious. And you might go, whoa, that's weird. I didn't know that. But here's what you need to know. The Bible teaches that after we die, when Christ comes again and Christ puts an end to this world as we know it, there will be a bodily resurrection for you and for me just as Jesus experienced a bodily resurrection. To which you might say, well, what happens then when we die? To which I would say that is an incredible question that the Bible also clearly answers. Luke 23, 43 Out loud, really strong, ready, go. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, when? Today you will be with me in... Now check this out. Today literally means today. Jesus is hanging on the cross. You remember the scene? He's got one guy on his right, one guy on his left. This is why you always see three crosses. Jesus is in the center cross. Jesus says to one of the people hanging on the cross, the one who didn't scorn him, the one who didn't ridicule him, the one who asked for favor, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. So here's what the Bible clearly teaches. I mentioned Keith Wright earlier. Keith Wright, the moment he died, when we, when we had his funeral service right here, the moment he died, the Bible teaches, and I clearly believe his spirit was united with God immediately. Today, you will be with me in paradise. You have a spiritual union with your God when you die, if you know Christ. Now, the Bible, though, says this. That's just half the story. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 14, let's read this one out loud together. Go. By his power, God raised the Lord from the... And he will raise us also. Do you see it? By his power... God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us 
also. That is so short. That is so pithy. Let me give you a little longer passage to just kind of marinate in. Flip over to the book of Thessalonians. If you were here a few weeks ago, I talked to you about Thessalonians. Thessalonians is the oldest scripture in the New Testament, older than even the Gospels. Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica. Those of you who are going with me in a few months to that part of the world, you will stand here where antiquity teaches that Paul wrote this scripture and declared it and gave the letter to the church at Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13, the Bible says this. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no what? Paul said, I don't want you to be uninformed. Paul said, I don't want you to grieve like those who have no hope. We are not a people of no hope. Amen? We're a people of what? New, new hope. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Watch this. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Let the church say amen. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Now write in your Bibles, margins, whatever. When the Bible says fallen asleep in the New Testament particularly, it's talking about dead. Okay? That Jesus will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, hello, reading this scripture 2,000 years later, that's you. The Bible's talking about you. The Bible's talking about me. Those who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will do what, church? Will rise first. Above that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. I love this last part. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This, yeah, you can clap at Scripture. I love when you just clap at the Word of God. This is an encouraging word. This should remind you whenever you get a little homesick, you know what I mean? Whenever you feel like this world is not for you. You're just homesick for your eternal glory in heaven. When you die, when I die, my spirit is going to be united with God forever. But the Bible teaches there will come a day when he will pierce the eastern sky, beloved. And with the trumpet call of God, he will call forth his church. And there will be, this is what you need to catch today. There will be a literal, physical, bodily resurrection. And you might go, that's kind of mysterious. I know. 
You, you might say, well, explain that in a lot more detail to me, Pastor. I don't know that I can. It's full of the Greek word that Paul would often use when he would say the mysterion of God, from which we get our word mystery. Now, I do think, though, and this is really cool, I do think that we can glean from the Scriptures a little bit about what these resurrected bodies will be like. In other words, I don't think we're completely in the dark. i got to move fast, but I think one of the best ways, and I did this one semester in seminary, by the way, one of the best ways in which I think to start to get our hands on or our minds wrapped around what our bodies will be like is to study the Scriptures of Jesus during his post-resurrection. You follow me? If you go to the end of the Gospels, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you ought to do this this week, you can study the scenes at which Jesus, after he was crucified, dead, and buried, he rose from the dead. You can actually go and study the scenes at which we see in the Bible about Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus walked around for 40 days in a resurrected body. The Bible says that, this is weird, man, the disciples would be meeting and Jesus would walk through walls. The Bible says that many, many people saw Jesus, groups of people, including one event where more than 500 people saw and talked to Jesus. They recognized him. But he was different. Go read Luke 24 this week and you'll see this amazing passage where there's this walk to Emmaus, right? And these two dudes are walking down the road. And Jesus busts up on them. What's up? It's like, oh, snap. But they didn't recognize him. They didn't even recognize him, man. And and Jesus kind of carried on a conversation with them. What's up? How you like the weather? And then all of a sudden in Luke 24, walk to Emmaus, Jesus speaks of breaking the bread. And in the breaking of the bread, they recognize him. Interesting. See, I think we can learn something from that. I think we can learn from our resurrected bodies. We will be recognizable, but we will be different. We will be different. The Bible says these bodies that age and, and good Lord, you know, it's not, hey, it's no fun getting old, is it? But the Bible says that they'll be new. They'll, they'll be made new. No more disease. No more tears. But then when we see God face to face in that final day, the Bible says that we will have renewed bodies. <laughs> Here's a trip. John 21, go read that. In John 21, Jesus busts up on the Sea of Galilee hungry. Now, wait a minute. This is Jesus resurrected. Jesus says to them fishing, guys, quit fishing. You've been fishing long enough. Throw your net on the other side of the boat so that we can have some sushi. And they did, and they came to the shore, John 21, and they had sushi. Not shiki. Not shiki style. Could that mean glory? Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the God. Could that mean that we eat in heaven? No fat grams. No carbs. No. We just eat, 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 baby. Eat, eat, eat. Come on now. Oh. Hey, I love food. I am not going to lie. 
They came and the resurrected Jesus, they ate. They literally, Jesus said, I'm hungry. I need some sashimi. And he started wailing on their fish. What's it going to be like? I don't know. But here's what I know. This is one of the most encouraging messages in all of scripture about our mere mortality. God is going to renew. There will be a bodily resurrection. And this is my point. That impacts how we care for our bodies. This is a theological issue. This is a stewardship issue. Your body doesn't belong to you. You have been tasked by God to manage your body. The word in the Bible for manager is steward. We think of stewardship just in terms of finances. We, man, we, we, we steward over our finances. We worship God with the biblical tithe. Yes, 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 I get all of that. But there's also a concept in the scriptures where we are to manage and steward and care for our bodies because it doesn't belong to us. So what do you say we go get this? What do you say we lean in like never before? What do you say for the next six weeks we go to school on God's Word, we change our thinking, we change our habits, and we start to develop as a Christian community a lifestyle that honors God with our bodies? What do you say? How many of you heard the, 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 the poem, Footprints in the Sand? That's so awesome. Have you seen this? If you didn't grow up in the church, you might not, you might not know about this, but Footprints in the Sand. It's, it's this beautiful poem. And it talks about the fact that we walk with God. And that's why I'm saying this is not about willpower. This is about God's power. We walk with God. And it's a beautiful poem. You might have it in your house. And the poem talks about walking with God. But, but then there goes from two sets of footprints to one. You know the poem? And it talks in the poem about it's at that time that God was carrying us. It's so sweet. I want to read it to you. One night I had a wondrous dream. One set of of footprints there was seen. The footprints of my precious Lord. But mine were not along the shore. But then some strange prints appeared. I asked the Lord, what have we here? Those prints are large and round and neat. But Lord, they are too big for feet. Maybe you can tell by now I got a different version for you. My child, he said in somber tones, for miles I carried you along. I challenged you to walk in faith, but you refused and made me wait. You disobeyed, you would not grow. The walk of faith you would not know. So I got tired and I got fed up, and there I dropped you on your butt. Because in life there comes a time when one must fight and one must climb, when one must rise and take a stand or leave their butt prints in the sand. My good, John, my good friend John Maxwell put it like this. Lazy people leave butt prints in the sands of time. What do you say? We focus on our faith. What do you say we take very, very seriously the food that we put into our bodies? What do you say we maybe get involved in fitness like we never have before? What do you say we get off our butts and we try to exercise 
and steward over these bodies. And what do you say we learn to focus? We learn to put the right friends in our lives and life groups. Oh, my word, it's a great word for life groups. We actually, we actually share and do life together around this theme. And we start to see how we can steward over our bodies. And again, we, we get on our feet and we do something. We get our butt prints off the sand and we do something. Can you imagine what might happen? Can you imagine what could happen if 5,000 people, kids are included in this, by the way, they will follow you? Could you imagine what might happen if 5,000 new hopers lost 10 pounds apiece if we needed to lose weight? Some of you need to gain, like I said, but there's a lot more of us need to lose than gain. We as a movement could be 50,000 pounds lighter. We, we could fit hundreds of more people in our worship centers. The vision, the vision would be more fulfilled. You want to go get this church? Come on, talk to me. You want to go get this church? Let's go get this. Let's go get this. Let's pray together. Let's pray. God, thank you for your people. What a church. God, thank you for the fact that these, your people, want to grow with me, God. We want to, we want to get this right, God. We want to steward over our bodies well. We want to know that, that you're with us, God. We want to proclaim to you that we're going to put our thinking caps on, God. We're going to read good material. We're going to change our minds. We're going to change our lives. We're going to do our very best to steward over these bodies more faithfully. And God, when we fall short, and we will, listen to me, beloved. When you fall short, be gracious with yourself. Don't beat yourself up and then get defeated and then never try again. Grace is seeing yourself as God sees you and He loves you. He loves you just as you are. He gave you that body. Don't get caught up in trying to look like Hollywood or airbrushed figures in a magazine or a website. It's not what this is about. Be gracious with yourself. See that God loves you just as He made you. And your only task is to love yourself as God loves you and to steward over and to care for that body. Thank you, God, that it belongs to you. Thank you that your spirit lives in us. Thank you that you expect us to care for this body. God, if we understand the, the end result, if we understand the bodily resurrection, that changes everything about how we care for our bodies. Thank you for the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of our bodies as well. We look forward to that glorious day. And until then, God, until then, we're going to try to rise with you. We're going to try to allow the Holy Spirit of God to come in and dwell and we're going to rise in terms of what we put into these bodies and what we drink and how much we sit on our butts. 
and how much we get up and, and we walk or we run or we do yoga or we hit the weights or we just start trying to work more while standing up instead of sitting down. We've become so sedentary. God, we talk a lot around here about series being life-changing. And they are. All of them are life-changing for some people along the way. But God, I'm praying that this would actually be one that changes the, the global lifestyle of our church. God, I'm praying for every single person within the sound of my voice. That years down the road, we would look back upon February and March of 2015. We'd say, you know, God, that's when it all started to change. That's when I started to realize that my mind and my body and how I steward over that directly impacts how I feel, how I think, how I work how I love and how I live and that's when it all started to change we love you today Lord we thank you for what you're going to do let the resurrection begin now in Jesus name Amen thank you so much for joining us today if you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopenc.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org. And our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.